Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. We're getting ready to get back at it. This is the that two-week dead period between when the Big Ten started college football and the Pac-12 has not, but we'll be counting down the days to November 7th when USC kicks off at 9 a.m. against Arizona State. Getting ready for all of that. We're going to answer some questions from all the listeners, talk about some of the topics on the table, USC did a hell week last week. We got to talk to Clay Helton on Monday morning about that. And there's a situation with USC wide receiver Manir McLean. We'll get into that a little bit too, all with the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. And we want to welcome in the coach right now. Coach, how are you doing? Ryan, I'm doing really well. I enjoyed college football this weekend. As you mentioned, the Big Ten's out playing, the Mountain West Conference is out playing. We had a college football game in Southern California. I don't know how many people really realize that, but San Diego State and UNLV played down there in the Dignity uh, Health Sports Park, which used to be Home Depot, and that was on national television. Uh, San Diego State looked pretty good in that game, too, beating UNLV 34-6. to So we've had college football in Southern California without the Trojans or the Bruins playing. We have... Two other teams playing in Southern California. So, as you said, I'm getting ready for a little Pac-12 football. Yeah, we needed to get here soon. And just seeing, like, the Big Ten actually out there playing this past weekend, you knew it's going to be like, oh, like the Big Ten's back. So, the only Power Five program, Power Five conference that's not playing is, of course, the Pac-12. But that will be remedied soon enough. And they're getting ready. Uh, for the season, uh, they're talking, you know, doing this, the fall camp practices or the training camp practices. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But there's uh, some breaking news that happened. I think Ryan Karji from the LA Times was the, the first one to put it out. There's been different reports, and there was a, uh, a, a press conference or a pseudo kind of press conference over the weekend uh, about the suspended wide receiver, Maneer McClain. So if you remember, on October 9th, Clay Helton announced that Maneer McLean was suspended from all team activities, and he declined to give any specifics on the nature of the suspension or the length of it. He said, right now he's on our team roster. He's suspended from all team activities. As you know, I never discuss a team issue. So his season ended last year with an ACL tear of his right knee and USC's win over Arizona. He played in four games, though, so uh, in more than four games, so he wasn't eligible to redshirt. He ended up having three uh, receptions for 19 yards uh, last year. And he made a public statement on Sunday during the press conference that was on USC campus. So political activist Najee Ali uh, was um, uh, was leading that. And so basically what happened was the news broke on Thursday, like we said through the LA Times, that McLean allegedly received benefits from the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program uh, that was according to the LA Times, and we confirmed it at uscfootball.com. Federal agents arrived on campus earlier in the week to question McLean and anyone else who had knowledge of the that player's acquisition of the unemployment benefits. And then McLean issued this full statement I'll read for you. 
I want to thank my mom, my family, my fellow Trojan teammates, and Najee Ali for their support today and over the past month. Uh, there seem to be a lot of rumors flying around, but I want nothing more than to get back to playing with the team. I can confirm that I received pandemic unemployment assistance, which Congress passed back in March to help many people who are not eligible for unemployment benefits, such as gig workers, independent contractors, and people with small businesses affected by the pandemic shutdowns. I applied with the help of a representative from the EDD, the California uh, Employment Development Department, and believe that I did everything right. I hope that USC will speak to the attorneys who are helping me, uh, Jenna Parker and Mark Hathaway, so I can have a change to get back on the field as soon as possible. Thank you. Please address any questions to Mr. Ali and my mom, uh, Sharika uh, McLean. So that was his statement. Uh, there were some players out there like uh, Abdul Malik McLean, his brother, Tyler Vons, uh, and, and some other guys that were out there too. Uh, they didn't answer any questions. Uh, you know, the players that were said they were instructed by USC to not speak publicly. That was according to Ali who said that. So we didn't really hear from them. We heard from, you know, his mom, we heard from Ali um, and, you know, they had it on the different TV stations and stuff. And like we said, the LA times, we had some reports on it on uscfootball.com, but coach overall, it's uh it's one of those things. My gut feeling is this isn't like a Clay Helton call. I know people have been critical of Clay Helton, but I think this is a university call more than anything. Uh, but I wanted to get your overall thoughts on that. Well, it's uh, first of all, disappointing. It's disappointing uh, for the whole issue, the whole thing. Uh, I don't know the details on exactly everything, and uh, but I can comment on it because uh, I, I hate to see a young man as he he's not afraid to admit exactly everything that he went through. <clears throat> in fact, I excuse me. In fact, I believe he went through the proper channels and met with somebody to to get this uh, loan or this check or whatever they issue uh, during this uh, time of period. And uh, he was uh, then uh, suspended from the team when fellow agents came on campus or came to his dorm room or whatever, and uh, then followed up. And uh, but have not returned, have not done anything else, and uh, and they suspended from the team. Now, in my in my book, in the way I look at it, maybe I look at it different than everybody else out there. You're innocent until you're proven guilty. And I think the university has a different type of look at this. Now, I'm not talking about Clay Helton because he's a football coach and he's going to back his players. And if you don't back your players, you don't have to support your players. you got to be for your players. And I think you have to stand out for them strongly because your players always look to you as that figure of you. When you recruited them, you told them that as long as he's part of my football program, I'm going to make sure that he graduates. I'm going to make sure he's going to go to class. I'm going to make sure that we take care of him here in the Trojan family. They looked at this on these type of issues to see just how much support the athletic department and the football program is going to give these young players. But they're all friends. They're all teammates. Like you said, the group of people that met with him. So I, I think that the university hides behind things that, the compliance departments in the athletic department, they're running scared of everything. I mean, they're afraid if we do this or we tie our shoe wrong or somebody took a shoelace that somebody's going to turn us in for this and that. you got to be able to support your kids and your teammates and your coaches and everybody in the athletic department, your family. You ask them to perform. When your family member has a problem, you're there to help them. 
So, you know, I can see the whole situation. I, I don't know how many students or how many teachers or who have their own businesses or faculty members or whatever you want to say, maybe uh, obtain checks too under these programs. I, I understood that people got checks and I don't know what programs they were that were deceased. I heard the Lakers got, what, $10 million, and they sent it back. So there's a lot of things that happen, and, and I'm not talking that I know all about this stuff because I don't know anything about it. But I know one thing, you've got to support your players, and you've got to give your pre players a reason why they're not practicing. Kid went to USC to be a football player. Kid wants his, you know, he's on scholarship. So what did he do wrong? I think the people are just saying, what did we do wrong? Why are we suspended? I mean, have they pressed charges on him for doing something wrong? What was it? Something like $750. Don't get me wrong. But pay it back then or make a payment plan or say you're sorry. But, you know, to, to suspend kids all the time or not look at them and support them at times. Kids are kids. All right. How many of you drove over the speed limit this morning? Well, that's a crime, too, really, according to the law, if you're in the speed limit at 65, did you go 70? Well, sometimes kids don't realize what they're doing if they are doing something wrong, and I'm not saying he did something wrong. He he went through the normal procedures to, to receive this check, so I think you've got to be more supportive and, and uh, look at this and say, why do you suspend him? Why can't you let him play and and if something comes up through the investigation, then you punish him. But, heck, you're punishing the kid before you even find out what's going on. Uh, Coach, I, I get it. Um, I mean, well, obviously, there's a lot of details we don't we don't know. But uh, that's certainly an approach that could be taken. And like I said, I don't think this is coming from the football team or maybe even the athletic department. This is probably my guess, uh, only a guess, is coming from uh, you know the university lawyers things like that saying this is what we have to do um so we'll see but this you know if anything we saw the players get the ball rolling for the pac-12 football and maybe the players gathering there um will get the ball rolling I, again um clay helton started his so monday morning we get to talk to clay helton and we sort of get an update of what happened over the weekend i mean the first uh words that clay helton said was that uh there was not going to be any comment about the you know he didn't even say Manier McLean's name, he said the like the LA Times story. Um, he said, you know, just it was basically sort of like an alert to all of us that's saying that he couldn't comment, he would not and and uh, cannot comment on it, citing privacy laws. So he referred to the statement, the USC statement that was uh, released on Sunday. So we didn't hear anything well, from, from Clay Elton about it. And I and maybe, Ryan Kirk, maybe oh, excuse me for interrupting you, but I'm just saying maybe the Maybe they had to write another letter to the governor. That's the only time to get something done. <laughs> they did get it done there. Uh, he, and Ryan Carsey tried to ask him some general questions about would it be against policy for a, you know, a student athlete to um, you know, get unemployment benefits, so, like something along those lines. And, and Clay Helton wouldn't answer anything uh, that had anything to do with that case. So we'll see what goes on from there. But just wanted to let everyone know that's kind of if you – weren't really paying attention. Um, that's, that's the gist of what's been going on with the Maneer McLean situation. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, on the football side, coach, uh, Clay Elton said what they had was like a hell week last week. And they did a scrimmage that was supposed to be, he called it an unbelievably great experience where they really tried to simulate 
what a game would be um, from the time they wake up to what they would do for breakfast to getting COVID testing. Uh, he had mentioned, you know, getting a Q-tip stuck up your nose at six in the morning. Like that's basically what uh, they're doing. And he thanked the marketing staff for creating an environment on Saturday that had music, crowd noise, they, whatever they would try to do, even though there won't be any crowds there, um, you know, to, to simulate what the game would be like. But, uh, you know, apparently we haven't been able to watch, but according to Clay Helton, you know, they really went hard in uh, practice re- last week. The defense, he said, set the tempo on Saturday. And Thursday they had a pad of practice where the offense uh, won and he commended the defense for bouncing back and getting pressure on the quarterbacks and getting them off their spot. Uh, he, You know, Craig Nivar and, and Dante Williams, they've done a great job with the coverages, according to Helton. Um, so they've cleaned a lot of things up. Uh, Todd Orlando, we found out, uh, had a, a family issue. So he wasn't there on Saturday. So Craig Nivar took over and, uh, and, and ran the defense for the scrimmage. But um, in general, it was an 81-play scrimmage. They didn't have any injuries. So they're, they're pretty good as far as injuries go. And he loves seeing special teams go live in all phases because, you know, they didn't get to implement their new systems in the spring and you were sort of doing it over zoom calls over the summer and to actually see it live. Clay Helton seemed really, you know, genuinely excited about what they were uh, doing out there. So they're going to still, you know, going forward, they're still going to do some drill work, but right now it's kind of transitioning into Arizona state game prep and, and a mock game week uh, for Arizona state this, uh, this week. Well, great. I'm glad. Now, when they say they're, they're, they go live, does anybody ask him the question, what does live mean? Does live mean full go on everybody, full speed tackling, open field tackling? What does live mean? Do you bring the backs to the ground? I hope that's what it's doing. Uh, normally, that's what a full scrimmage is. Game-like situation, go all out. You know, ones against ones, uh, ones against twos, uh, twos against ones, where you get real improvement in your team because you're so far behind everybody else as far as in college football not maybe with the pac 12 as far as your regular uh conference but the other conferences that are out there and again uh, very fortunate and uh, as and i always say once you become accustomed to playing football the injuries really do uh cut that back because the body gets conditioned so again uh as you mentioned last week, you can go half speed and fall over somebody and get hurt. But I think you protect yourself more and you're more in battle type of shape when you when you scrimmage full speed and everybody knows what to expect. So I'm glad that happened. I'm assuming they had officials at the scrimmages. And as far as the crowd noise and all of that, that's always great to have as far as feeling a part of the game. And as far as all the testing and the great experiences and all of that that went on, that's fabulous. But that's part of the routine. So you might as well get used to it. Uh, the main thing I'm concerned with, are you getting better as a football team? Is your football team playing better? Are you being able to put the things in and do the things that are necessary to, to be a USC football team and uh, be physical, be able to win football games? And that's the main thing that I want to hear about, and that's the things we don't really hear about. We hear about the offense did do good one day. Well, okay. Did you limit the coverages? Did you limit the the, the fronts? Uh, what did you do to to make the – did you do anything special? Why they did look good? Or did they just dominate the defense because they game-planned them and played well? I need to – see, when you're able to see it more and get a more specific thing of what they're trying to accomplish in doing – 
Did they work goal line situations? Are they going under center? Did they work on their two back sets? How do they use their tight ends? Are they bringing their tight ends in any double tight, the balanced defenses? These are all the type of things I say as far as preparing for, for you know, your opening game as far as against Arizona State. And I agree with you. You call it hell week. That's what we used to call it, hell week. But that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way in the old days we used to go double days, sometimes triple day practices as far as getting ready for uh, a football game. So that's what it all is. You call it hell week. You call it whatever you want, but you get ready to play. And football is not an easy game to get ready to play for. So uh, good. I'm glad they're experiencing that. I'm hoping it's exactly what's happening, the way they're trying to explain it to us. I just wish that we could see some type of it to experience it, to be able to express it more to our listeners. Yeah, we, I mean, obviously we can't watch, and you have to take uh, the coach's word, the player's words when we're talking about it. But, you know, genuinely, just from hearing, like, what Todd Orlando was saying, I think there's more hitting. I think there's more tackling. I feel like they are being more physical in practice. I guess a concern I would have, Coach, and, uh, you know, I've talked to Keely Yor about this on, on different shows, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. In the past, we've kind of seen some, you know, effective, you know, uh, drill work and uh, competition periods, maybe in the first couple weeks of camp. But when somehow when things switch to like what they would call like the mock game week, it, it seemed like everything gets dialed back quite a bit. And I know Clay Helton talked about today that the coordinators, uh, they didn't want to leave. Uh, his quote was, don't want to leave the competitive aspect of getting good on good. So he's saying it's going to be like half concentrating on USC and then half on ASU. But I think this was one of the uh, mistakes, I guess you could say, that this team made in the past where once it went to mock game week, you just throttled down all the intensity. And it was more about like going to school and like learning as opposed to still playing football. So I think there's a, a balance there. But I want to get your thoughts on when you're you know making preparations like that. How do you still keep it competitive if you're always focused on the opponent? Well, you can't get soft. And, you know, USC's always had that type of criticism from people that they're soft. They're soft. They have soft practices. You just can't get ready to play on game day. We used to scrimmage during the middle of the week. Uh, the game plan, how can you... How can you just go out and do it on Saturday? You've got to scrimmage the game plan. You've got to be able to recognize the defenses under a pace of what the game is going to be. The different type of defenses you're going to see that you haven't seen when you go against yourself. We used to scrimmage that, actually practice that, have scout teams, and still we'd go ones against ones just to keep the tempo and the intensity of, of what it needs to be to play football. We don't want that to leave your soul. We want it to be there. You just can't turn it on at all of a sudden. So and we do, and like I've said on this show and all my shows, we used to have a goal line every single week on, on uh, Thursdays, even on Thursdays. We'd line up at the goal line and we'd let everybody know that this line's more important than any other line, that when you cross this line, this one gets you points, and if you stop them, they don't get any points. So we used to be able to do that every Thursday, not a lot of plays, Maybe 10 plays, but full speed, everything goes. And, of course, we used to always worry about injuries, but we had to take that chance to stay sharp. And if you don't stay sharp, your timing's out there, and you've got to be able to play at a full speed type of effort to be able to be ready all the time. So if you tone it down 
during the year, you know, then you're becoming an NFL football team. You're a pro. Yeah, you you anticipate they know how to do all these things. You don't. They're kids. They're learning how to play the game. You've got to have that intensity practice once or twice a week in order to be ready for Saturday. That makes a whole lot of sense, Coach. Um, you know, they're not. It's not an NFL team, so you do have to get them ready uh, for Saturday, and you can only do that by practicing. So we'll see. It sounds like the plan is more of a mix of competition and game planning but that was definitely one of the big concerns before was the mock game week just things just turned soft and uh you I don't you know I don't I don't think the new assistant coaches are going to want to allow that I think uh you know you hope Clay Helton's kind of learned some lessons from before that they don't want to continue to do that uh but mock game week whenever that I've heard that before coach something just clicks like uh oh this is not like things are good things are good things are good oh mock game week what happened you know what I mean yeah, I do know what you mean. They did nothing. They just would walk around in shorts and ten, tennis shoes. Some wore thongs out there. No, I'm just going to be a smart aleck, okay? Uh, I know. But you got to go on the football field. When you cross that or go in that gate, your helmet's on, uh, it's strapped up, you're ready to play. It's a, it's, a, it's a work environment. It's where you're not safe without your helmet on. Someone's liable to take a shot at you. I always used to say that. I used to say, you always keep your helmet on unless I tell you to take it off. And they'd say, why? I said, you never know when you need to go in the game or you never know when somebody's going to take a shot at you. And you, you just build this up into them where there's this fire and they're looking their eye that if someone hits me in the mouth, I'm going to hit them back. And uh, you take this through the whole practice schedule of who you are and how tough you are and all the things that you want to play the other team, you can't wait for the other team, you want to play them because it's actually easier than our practices, okay? And you look forward to that venture on Saturday when you're able to display this toughness and what you work for and get out there and get it done. I mean, I get fired up when I talk about it because I, there's a certain feeling that you get in your body, you, you know, your hair stands up on your arms and and everything, when you go on the practice field or when you go on before game or when you look in the mirror before you take the field, that, uh, hey, man, this is what it's all about. This is better than the prom. Better than the prom. Okay, so that's that's high praise. People like their proms. Um, but, yeah, obviously. Well, when you, put that helmet, when you put the helmet on, you look better, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> you said, no, these guys are, are the best-looking guys, Coach. Is that what you're most of them are. Most of them are. <laughs> Just ask them, okay? Oh, they'll tell Just you. Just ask them. You remember that old saying, I wait, can't wait for tomorrow because I get better looking every day? Yes. I like that one. That's a good one. Um, well, all right. So why don't we do that? We have some questions and stuff. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and uh, we'll get to the questions. So back in a minute. <laughs> The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. 
To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Coach, we got an email from our friend, Sergeant Rodney Strong. He's at Fort Lewis, Washington. He said, Coach, well, the season is coming up, and I'm not even excited. I was hoping this was going to be a season of some serious change. It seems like uh, I am like at the same old house with just new paint on the outside, but inside is just the same old boring, weak leadership that's been plaguing the football team. Do you guys see anything about this team to be excited for? Thanks, and fight on, I guess, Sergeant Rodney Strong. I think I think Rodney wrote into our uh, – to the the short the show with me and Keeley uh, last week too. He doesn't seem all that excited. I'll do something real quick, Coach. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think this is a lot more than paint. I think this is more than there's there's major changes that were made. All the defensive staff, um, you know, bringing back uh, a, a really great offensive scheme, getting a whole new special teams coach. You know, getting rid of guys that were true cronies to Clay Helton, you know, advocates for him that were really had his back, like Clancy Pendergast or, or John Baxter. Those are major changes. So, uh, Sergeant Strong, I, I believe that this is, uh, there's some major changes that have happened here. So I would say it's a lot more than just, uh, painting the house. Well, I hope it is. Uh, we're excited about it. Uh, the season coming, I, you know, with all the off season talk and since the Holiday Bowl, which has been canceled, if anybody doesn't know next year. It's too bad it's been canceled, but they don't have a stadium to play it in, but that's the last time that, well, the last game that was played in the Holiday Bowl was Iowa and USC, and I think that's been sort of haunting the USC football program for a while. And uh, I'm I'm really excited about the football program myself and the football team because uh, it can only go one way up if it gets more physical. It really can. And with the improvements we're talking about on the defensive side of the football and the enthusiasm there on the defensive side of the football and with the placement of personnel in the right positions and playing a great scheme, I think you got a chance. But you've got great players. You've probably got the best roster in the Pac-12. At least people are saying that to know what's going on. Then on the offensive side of the football, you've got a quarterback coming back that certainly did distinguish himself as a as a freshman. You've got a great group of receivers in other positions. And again, the offensive line is a big question mark. And I think I'm looking forward just to watch them play, if you want me to tell you the truth. I don't know how good they really are because I haven't seen them play, but there's some players out there that have some great reputations. And now if you can put a little uh, fire into their ass, excuse my uh, language, but I, you know, I used to coach that way, that uh, that maybe we'll be able to blast off and knock somebody off the line of scrimmage, and I think that's what you got to look for and uh, pass block and mix it up and and uh, hope for the opportunity to, to, to you know to be in a position where you're challenged and uh, even as an offense or defensive player and you succeed, and I think that's what I'm waiting to see. I'm just waiting to see what type of sideline discipline there is what type of discipline there is on the field and off the field i don't want to see delay of game penalties i want to see everything go smooth no penalties i want to see everything uh go in and out and and be the way it's supposed to be with a great football program now the big 10 opened up i thought with a lot of power this weekend i really did i thought they sort of maybe overshadowed 
the Southeastern Conference and the ACC as far as games this week. I mean, it's, if you guys watched any of their games on the Big Ten Network, and I mean, exciting football, a lot of upsets, uh, really good, really, really exciting. So I'd like to see the Pac-12 make that same type of approach. And I think if the Trojans have an opportunity to show up against Arizona State and make a, get, make a great effort nationally, that uh, I'd be great for everybody, the boosters, the team, the players, myself, the media, to see something positive happen. I mean, guys flying around, guys not taking cheap shots, not guys not dancing in the end zone, guys not, you know, staring down people because they made a great play, their jerseys tucked in, their uniform being worn the way it was designed to be worn, all of the things that are so prideful among football programs uh, and that's the stuff i look for the first game and i want to see if that carries on to the entire entire year i want to see the sideline what's happening with the quarterbacks on the sideline are, are they into the game or are they backs in the back or are they swinging towels around like we've seen happen <laughs> and do we i mean all of that type of stuff i want to see all of that gone i want it to see it look like a factory a machine that's operating when everybody everybody's in on every play not just the guys playing on the field, but everybody's playing that play. The entire team, the coaches are playing every single play for the guys that are on the field. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And uh, yeah, it's um, I, I, I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, I, I feel like this is a team, we've talked about this before, that should win all of its games. I did a story late last week. Uh, USC is a 10.5 point favorite at Arizona State you know, with, against Arizona State. Um, the only close, the closer spread could potentially be Utah. Um, and, you know, if you look at the projection for games, you know, one games and everything uh, with the Utes and uh, the Sun Devils, it's the same, like four and a half, the over under, at least in one of the books was four and a half uh, games. So, you know, the fact that Utah's on the road, you have to travel, no fans, but, you know, maybe that's a little bit different, but I would say, the Arizona State game is probably going to be tougher just because they've prepared so much and it's the opener and it's 9 a.m. So if you're a double-digit favorite for that game and you could argue it's your toughest game, there's really no reason that they can't go undefeated. Now, just because you're a double-digit favorite doesn't get them to win all their games, but you have a pretty good chance. Um, you know, you you work all you know you work out the numbers and stuff. It's it's hard to win game after game, even if you're a big favorite. But on paper, they should, and I think. If you can blow some teams out, you feel pretty good about this team, and then it'll all be determined about you know winning the Pac-12. And it, this is the most talented team in the conference, Coach. Still, and I, I feel like they should be the team that wins the Pac-12. Well, I'm just going to be frank with you. Uh, they better, okay, as far as the Pac-12 South. Now, Oregon's got a great program, so we'll see what happens with that. But a lot of things have to happen before you get to that game. You just want to make sure you can get to that game. And I'll tell you, uh, Arizona State's going to put on a fight. And don't be looking at the points if you're a player, but that's not going to make any difference in your opening game of the year. Because in your opening game of the year, you don't know what to expect. You really don't know what to expect from Arizona State defensively. You don't, you know, they got a new defensive coordinator, so you're going to have to adjust to a lot of things. I know USC hasn't changed much on the offensive side of the football. I don't believe they have. I haven't had a chance to see. So I think they'll prepare as far as who they're going to try to take out of the game. They're going to try to take the quarterback out of the game and the receivers out of the game, and they're going to force you to run the football to beat them. 
And I and I think that's exactly what they'll do. And they'll do a lot of corner blitzes, and they'll do also a lot of different type of things to break down your pass blocking and get to you and put a hit on so on and Kenneth. They want to put a hit on him. They want to get him to start thinking about uh, and hurrying his throws. They want to get him out of rhythm, keep him out of rhythm on the offensive side of the football and. On the defensive side of the football, they've got to stop the option and the running game of uh, Daniels, who's an outstanding quarterback, and they've got a pretty good returning team. They do a great job with those kids up there. They really do, and Herm Edwards gets them fired up. He's a fiery type of guy, and uh, they play hard. So you're not going to just have an opponent, opponent come in and lay down. So that first game used to scare the hell out of me as a football coach because I didn't know what to expect out of my own team. I really, you know, how good are we? Because we've just gone against ourselves, so what are we comparing ourselves to what? But when you get out there and you're warming up, you're looking at the other team, you're sort of trying to say, what are we going to get today? What are we going to expect today? How are we going to perform? Is our team ready to play or is it not ready to play? Did we prepare them? Did we forget anything? You're double-checking everything, just like a pilot does before he takes off. So, you know, and then you, and your substitution, all these things you've worked on, and all you need to do is make one mistake and you can lose a game. So you hope you don't let it be a close game. You want to be able to get ahead so you can relax a little bit. And when you relax a little bit, you get to play a little bit better. When you're too ready to play, sometimes you're tense and you, you throw the ball over somebody's head or, it's, or something happens and you blow a coverage. So... You got to really be ready to play, and preparation is the the number one thing you got to do. So, I'm looking forward to the opening game. You know, we've been talking about this for so long, so long. We still got two weeks, so long that man, I just want to see what we've been talking about. To tell you the truth, it's one of those things where they get tired of seeing the same jerseys, right? You want to hit somebody else. Um, oh yeah, but it's really brief, Coach. This is a seven game schedule. And, uh, so there's no starting slow. There's no, you just got to get, and it's, it's gotta be ready. So it's one of those unique challenges this year is very unique. And, uh, that's going to be one of those challenges to get everybody up. Um, we got one last question for you, coach. I'll play the voicemail from our buddy, Curtis. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. This call is for the coach and Ryan first game of the year. I'm excited. But I have to go back to last year when we beat Arizona State and Ryan made an excuse for that win. You said their quarterback was out. Based on that logic, we had an excuse for the whole season. After JT Daniels went out in the first or second quarter, whenever he went out in the first game, no more excuses, especially for the other team. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Curtis. Well, yeah. Curtis Curtis is saying, what did you make an excuse as far as a loss to Arizona State? So when we were talking about that, Jaden Daniels uh, did not play uh, in that game. Or I think he got hurt in the very, if I remember correctly, he got hurt in the very beginning of that game. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, is that a, I mean, it's not an excuse, but I'm just saying, like, if, if Jaden Daniels plays in that game, does you? I think Arizona State probably wins. You know, uh, so that's all. I was saying that like on one of the Tunnel Vision shows, I think, or maybe it was on the podcast. And uh, Curtis did not. Uh, he did not like that. <laughs> uh, well, you had an excuse that 
USC would have won or Arizona State would have no, so, won now? So, yeah, so USC, um, you know, won the game. But uh, what happened, you know, Jaden Daniels did not, uh, you know, he didn't play uh, in the game. So it's one of those things. Like Keaton Slovis, he threw for 432 yards, four touchdowns, built a big lead. Um, and uh, actually, you know, 28 points in the first quarter, if you remember. But then USC yeah. only scored a field goal the rest of the way. Uh, Jane Daniels couldn't play, so they had to play Joey Yellen. That was his first career start. Yeah, so Daniels didn't even start the game. So Joey Yellen had to come in and play. And, uh, you know, Arizona State made a little run at it at late. But it was 31-26 after USC had a 28-point lead in the first quarter. So all I was saying was, a game that close, if Jane Daniels comes in, they, Arizona State probably doesn't start that slow. Uh I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like Jaden Daniels probably makes a difference in that game. And it's a, you know, at, it was at Sun Devil Stadium. So, you know, does USC lose if Jaden Daniels plays? I think they would have. Well, let me put it to you this way that Yellen kid really played a great game. And I, re- I remember at the end of the game, there was an interception or something that, that, uh, that SC got or something when they were driving that, uh, made the difference in that game. That was one hell of a football game. It really was. And, Daniels is a great football player, and in fact, Yellen's transferred. Uh, he didn't feel that he would get the opportunity to play, but he had a hell of a game against USC last year. I really liked him as a football player. He really did play well, but Daniels is great talent. Daniels does things that uh, Yellen can't do. Yellen can't run around like Daniels runs around, and uh, Daniels had a great game against Oregon. If you remember at Arizona State last year, Daniels made a pass at the end of the game to beat Oregon, which is uh, Oregon's only loss. So, hey, I, I don't, you know, excuses, you know, I'm not big in the excuse part, part of it. You know, you got to play with who you have. And, you know, we can always hope we have our best players. And I think uh, Nick Saban made the best comment this week after the game when he was asked about Weddle, Weddle his receiver that went down the first play of the game this past week. And he says, you know, it just gives another opportunity for someone else to step up and have the opportunity of playing. He didn't dwell on it. He said it was a terrible thing to lose a player like this, but it's time to move on. And I think that's what you do. You move on, and the next guy steps up, and you play the football game. I really liked the way he handled that at the end of the game by not saying, yeah, we're sorry, we could have done this, we could have done that. Man, we might not be as good the rest of the year. There was no comment on any of that. It was just that, hey, we got to keep going, and this is the way it is. And it's too bad for him, but the next guy will step up, and the next guy did step up, and uh, and uh, they had a great uh, game plan and a great victory. So, you know, you got to look at all these different things, and uh, it's damned if you do and damned you don't. And I don't, I don't know who to won the game. Uh, Daniel didn't play. Maybe Ellen did a better job. So, uh, Curtis, I don't know how to answer your question. Uh, uh, excuses are for losers. Okay. You can't have an excuse for losing. You got to go out and play the game and whatever happens happens. And you know, everybody has injuries and everybody fumbles a ball. You don't want to in turnovers and there's coaches make stupid calls on plays that they shouldn't call, but you got to get out there and play the game. And, uh, you know, I don't like, you know, I used to say, it all falls on me, the head football coach. If we don't play well, it's my fault because I didn't teach the players right. So uh, I don't know, but injuries are something that you really can't uh, anticipate. Uh, but again, uh, uh, you try to get by with what you have, and you're really, really 
guy, a starter as a quarterback is very difficult to replace. Uh, USC was so fortunate last year that Kennan came in and did such a great job. Really, you, you can't when you consider losing a JT Daniels and having a kid come in as a freshman and have the year he has in the offense that USC runs. That's almost unbelievable. It really is. Yeah, it was crazy. And uh, you know, I would say you want to give USC an excuse for the Washington game last year. Um, even though the Utah game, uh, we saw Matt Fink come in and, and do really well. It just didn't look the same. I think I think USC it's a different ball game if, if Keaton Slovis plays in that one. I would say that's probably similar, you know. Um I would give you know yeah. USC more of an edge in that Washington game if Slovis played. Just to me, yeah, I think Yeldon came in and played better later, but and, and who knows, maybe if USC doesn't build a twenty eight point lead, they don't take their foot off the gas a little bit more. But I don't think it would have been twenty eight nothing in the first quarter if Daniels played. But who knows? You know, if it was a closer game, maybe Slovis you know, they keep the offense keeps going for the rest of the game and not just the first quarter. Well, I, I wish we could all answer that. You know, that that's that's why they play the game. We don't know exactly what could have happened. So, you know, Daniels could have thrown three interceptions or fumbled the football or did something else. So you don't know. You know, you obviously know he's their best player. Or he wouldn't be the starter. And when you lose your best player, you're not going to be as good normally if you've done your right job. So... But you got to go on with the game. So who knows what could have happened? Yeah. All right. Well, Curtis, thanks for that. Um, and uh, thanks to everyone that was sending in questions and listening. You know, make sure if you are listening to the show, if you're on an Apple device, we really do appreciate five star ratings and reviews on the Apple Podcasting app on your iPhone or on your your Mac computer, any of those places where you get our Apple Podcasts. Leave us some feedback, comments. The five-star rating does really help grow the show. Tell your friends about the Parastyle Podcast. We are going into our 13th season covering the team here on the podcast. And, of, of course, uscfootball.com has been around a lot longer than that. But as far as podcasts go, there's not been a lot that have been around as long as we have. So over a 1,000 episodes. And we appreciate all of you listening because you guys really made this show fun to do and, and made it so we could keep going uh, week after week. But And, Coach, you've been around for the very beginning, so I appreciate you being part of that, too. Well, thank you very much. Uh, man, I'm going into my 13th year with IK1 with you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> nice. Well, that is the coach, and uh, I'm Ryan. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. We really appreciate it, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 